Hi everyone, my name is Jason and I'm one of the student ministers here at Grace Point. What a privilege it is for me to bring God's word to you today. Before we begin, let me pray for us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come now to hear from your word. Open our eyes that we may see the riches of your word. Help us see the encouragement we need and help us see the great potential that we all have. Uh, the encouragement we can give to one another. Please, Lord, grow your church uh, to be a church that loves, that encourages, that builds up, so that we all reach maturity and unity in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were encouraged? When was the last time you were encouraged when someone shared from God's Word when someone shared their testimony, when someone prayed for you, when someone spent time with you in your loss? If you can think of someone, we should give thanks to God. He used your brother or sister to build you up. And these moments of encouragement are always so precious to us, aren't they? Think about it. We all want encouragement. We all love to have someone by our side when we are down. We all want people who will speak the truth to us, someone who will say what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. But as we look around the church, you might start to think, why is no one approaching me? Why is no one asking me the hard questions? Why is no one walking with me when I'm suffering? Everyone else seems to be well supported. I really wish I could be like them. But when we think about it, the question can be flipped around, can't it? When was the last time you encouraged someone? When you walked with a suffering brother? When you gave a sister a gentle rebuke? The answer might be closer to home than we thought. The reason why you haven't received encouragement from others might be because you haven't done the same. It might be because you are distant. It might be because you are withdrawing from others. And the church community that is not welcoming, not helpful, not close, not mutually encouraging is made up of people who are not encouraging others. And if we don't encourage our brothers and sisters, we all miss out on so many opportunities to grow together. Church, our God is building His church through each of us, and we must all get involved. That's what we're going to see from Romans 1 today. And today's sermon, we will have three points. You can see them in your outlines. Firstly, the cause of distance. Secondly, the gospel corrective. And lastly, the call to encourage. The cause of distance, the gospel corrective, and the call to encourage. As we hear from God's word today, I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit will convict you of this truth, that everyone needs encouragement. We're now at point one, the cause of distance. As we dive into this passage, let's start with some context. Now, for the past two weeks, we focused on the Apostle Paul, and we saw that his ministry was given by God. We saw that he wants to preach the gospel. And this week, we will start to look at the church in Rome. 
We will learn more about the Christians in Rome, and we want to see what their relationship with Paul was like. And so first we read, come with me to verse 8. Verse 8, we read, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. Let's pause here. From this passage, we can really see Paul's heart. We can feel Paul's deep love for them. Paul is thankful for their faith. Paul is always praying for them. Paul really wants to visit them. And normally you don't say these things unless you really, really love someone. Your boss wouldn't say those things to you. Your football teammate wouldn't say those things. Bobby from Woolies would not say those things to you. And so Paul really loves the church in Rome. And for those of us who have been at church for a while, we would remember this language. Paul always writes like this. At the start of Philippians, Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. 1 Thessalonians, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Or 1 Corinthians, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Now, you could say, this is just Paul being Paul. He always starts his letters like this. What is so significant about it? Well, the significance is, the three books that I just read from, those churches, they were all planted by Paul. Paul planted the church in Philippi, in Thessalonica, in Corinth. But coming back to Romans, Paul did not plant the church in Rome. In fact, at this point in his life, he hasn't even met them yet. Paul doesn't even know them personally. It's like if John Piper wrote a letter to Grace Point, or if Billy Graham wrote a letter to Grace Point, or if the Archbishop of Sydney wrote a letter to Grace Point. I don't even know whether they know we exist. But it's like if these prominent Christians wrote a letter to our church, and in the letter, they are so passionate. I'm thankful for your faith. I'm praying for you. I long to visit you. That would be so awesome. Now, I wonder, if we were to write a letter to someone, who would we write this letter to? Whose faith are you thankful for? Who do you always pray for? Who do you always want to have fellowship with? I'm sure as you hear this, in your mind, you can already think of some brothers and sisters. But if we are honest with ourselves, we might have to confess that we might not have such great love for them. Compared to Paul, we might not pray for them as often. We might not want to get close to them. We might not want to be intimately involved in their lives. Have you ever wondered why we don't spend so much time with our brothers and sisters? Why we go home straight after church? Why we don't pray for them? Well, one reason why we don't love is because we might think we are superior. 
we might think we are better than them. Our pride might make us want to stay at a distance. We keep away from the people who we think might be lower than us. When was the last time you avoided a brother who you don't know as well? Or when was the last time you made a judgment on a sister far away who you think isn't as smart as you, not as competent as you, not as godly as you? Or on the flip side, our pride can be so subtle, can't it? We might feel inferior. We don't approach them because we might think that they are better than us, smarter than us, more godly than us. And so when we feel inferior, it's best to keep a distance. And when we measure ourselves against one another, we actually miss out on so many opportunities for growth. We miss out on the fellowship and the mutual encouragement that every brother and sister have to offer. We could be discipling someone, and we know they are struggling with a particular sin. But instead of asking them those hard questions, instead of them giving them a gentle rebuke, we might shy away from them. We might just skim the surface, asking them about their week, asking them about their Bible reading and prayer. Now, to be sure, those things are very important. But by skimming the surface they miss out on some very precious words from their brother or sister, from you. Truths that they need to hear, encouragements that they so desperately need to help them untangle their heart issue and their sin. They miss out on that. Have you ever realized you do this maybe because you want to protect yourself? Maybe you want to protect yourself from the awkward conversation. Oh, what if they might hold a grudge? They might not want to meet up anymore. They might not see me as that popular friend. Or on the flip side, when you have committed a sin, you might want to avoid accountability. And you want to hide from your brothers and sisters. You don't want them to ask you, hard questions. And so whether it's obvious, you withdraw yourself from them and you withdraw yourself from the community. Your sin can produce such shame that leads to distance, shyness and withdrawal. That's the effect of our sin. That's the effect of our pride. And church, we actually miss out on so many opportunities for growth. We miss out on encouraging others. We miss out on being encouraged. We miss out on fighting sin together and we miss out on building one another up. Church, let's not miss out on that. Everyone needs encouragement. Now, let's see what Paul is going to say next and how that addresses our problem. We're now at point two, the gospel corrective. Come with me, come with me to verse 11. We will continue to read our passage, verse 11, and we read, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And we'll pause there again. If you have your Bibles, 
I want you to pay attention to the end of verse 12, where it says, mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And here in these verses, Paul explains why he really wants to see them. And it's because he really wants to impart some spiritual gifts. And when we think of spiritual gifts, we might start to think of tongues or healing or miracles. But Paul isn't so concerned about each of these specifically. His main concern is that they are built up. He wants to use his gifts to make them strong, to establish them and to build them up. Elsewhere, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit. Try to excel in those that build up the church. Spiritual gifts are meant to build up the church. Or Ephesians 4, verse 7, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And below Ephesians 4, verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that, listen to this, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so we see even from other letters of Paul, the purpose of spiritual gifts is to build up the church so that the body of Christ may all reach unity in the faith. And the purpose is to help all believers to grow in the knowledge of Christ, to grow in the core doctrines, to mature to a greater Christ-likeness. That's all we see from the other passages and is exactly the same as what Paul is saying here in Romans 1. Read verse 12 again. Verse 12. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. You know, when Paul was saying this, it's almost like he's doing a double take, a little double take. It's almost as if even back then, just like we do now, when Christians hear about spiritual gifts, our Christian ears might tingle and we're just like kids when they hear the sweet tunes of the ice cream chuck, and we go, ooh, spiritual gifts. But we won't go into details on spiritual gifts here. We just want to see that Paul is so clear that in verse 12, the ultimate purpose is so that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And I want you to notice something that is really important. Notice Paul doesn't say to encourage them. Paul doesn't say, oh, as the great apostle, I need to encourage you. No. Paul actually says, mutually encouraged by each other's faith. In another translation, it reads, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Both yours and mine. Think about that for a moment. This is Paul speaking, the great apostle called by God, set apart from the gospel of God, the apostle to the Gentiles. 
Remember 2 Corinthians last year? If anyone has anything to boast about, it is Paul. He is the Hebrew of Hebrews. He is the servant of Christ par excellence. He worked harder. He has been persecuted more. He loves the church more than anyone. And so, what does Paul have to be encouraged about? Imagine this with me for a moment. Imagine this week you get a text uh, and you see it's from Pastor Huge, our senior pastor. Or you get a text from Pastor Elliot and he says this, I really want to visit your home. I really want to impart some spiritual gifts to you. I really want to build you up so that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Imagine if Elliot or Huge said that to you. How many of you would scene zone him? Hand up if you would leave him on red. Yes. <laughs> the senior pastor of Grace Point, the most hardworking servant of Christ, he loves the church more than anyone. Why would Huge want your encouragement? But no. That's exactly the point. No matter how faithful you are, no matter how mature you are, whether you are the chief apostle or the senior minister, no one is beyond encouragement. No matter how godly you are, no one is beyond encouragement. I'm sure if I asked you right now, I'm sure if I asked Elliot right now, they would just be just as humble as Paul and say, yes. I need your encouragement. And so you might have thought before, I feel inferior to my brothers and sisters. Surely I don't have anything to offer. Surely they don't need my encouragement. Or on the flip side, you might have thought, I'm better than them. I don't need their encouragement. But the gospel of Jesus corrects that. Because of the gospel, everyone is on level ground. Everyone is equally sinful and equally depraved. But everyone is equally saved by God's grace. Even when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When no one would seek after us, God did. When we kept a distance from God, when we loved the world more than God, when we pursued things for our own sake, when we lived like the prodigal son, God the Father would welcome us home. The good news of the gospel is everyone is equally sinful and depraved, but everyone is equally saved by God's grace. Paul the Apostle, or the new believer in Rome, senior pastor Huge, or the youth in extreme, the person sitting on your left and to your right, we are all Sinners saved by grace. Even you, sinner saved by grace. That's who we are. So what excuses do we have then? If the great apostle needed encouragement from the people, if even Pastor Elliot needs your encouragement, then listen to this church. As a member of the people of God, you have so much to offer. More than that, Everyone in Christ has spiritual gifts to build up the church. And everyone is needed in order to build the church up. Everyone needs encouragement. But listen to this. 
everyone can give encouragements. Everyone can give encouragements, even you. Church, as we come to our final point, let's see why we should encourage each other. We're now point three, the call to encourage. As we come to the final verses, I want to bring your attention to the last two verses. Come with me to verse 14. Verse 14. It reads, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. And we can deduce two quick points from these verses. Firstly, Paul is obligated to everyone. And you're either Greek or you're not. You're either wise or you are foolish. So Paul is obligated to everyone. Secondly, what is Paul most eager to do? It's to preach the gospel. Paul is eager to preach the gospel. And that's the apostle's life mission, isn't it? By the grace of God, he is bearing fruit. And we see that at the end of verse 13, if your eyes just scan back up just a little bit. Verse 13, In order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among other Gentiles. And so, as Paul is preaching to the Gentiles, the gospel bears fruit among them. And now Paul is so eager to keep preaching the gospel to all, so that all may bear fruit, all may be built up in the faith. And this has implications for our church life, doesn't it? When it comes to building up the church, when it comes to encouraging our brothers and sisters, there is no discrimination. We are to encourage everyone around us. Like we saw before, there is no one too godly, no one too elevated, no one too holy who doesn't need our encouragement. And there is no one too lowly who doesn't deserve it either. Everyone needs your encouragement. But more than encouraging everyone, we need to be clear what that involves as well. That at the heart of your encouragement is the gospel. The gospel must be at the heart of your encouragement because it is the gospel that brings lasting change, the gospel that warms the heart, the gospel that points people to Christ. That's what they truly need. Think about what happens if we don't do this. What if we continue in our pride, continue in our self-pity, and we don't encourage one another? If we don't do this, the church will not be built up. God has ordained for the body of Christ to use their gifts to build up one another, to love one another. Jesus said in John 13, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The church shows itself to be the church when we love one another. And if we don't do that, we will not grow in the unity of the church. We will play to the individualism of our culture. And we will hear Satan's lies and say, I don't need you. I can live my life without your help. And then we will be so easily swayed, easily divided. 
We will be like pigeons at the park. Once a kid runs towards them, they will all fly off, each to their own separate ways. And if we keep our distance, we will not grow in the maturity of the church. We'll be a church with big heads, but no hearts. We might be a church with good Bible teaching, but there could be no love. If we keep our distance, we could go to CG every week, but still feel left out of the church. We could be meeting up with someone one-to-one, but still struggle with sin on our own. We could go to church each week, but still secretly lose our joy in Christ, and no one would know about it. Your brother or sister may never know what you are struggling with if you keep your distance and if you keep everything to yourself. Imagine if all of us open up to just one more person. Imagine if all of us opened up just a little deeper. There will be so many opportunities to grow together. And one of the ways to invite encouragement and accountability is to confess, is to be vulnerable. That is what Paul is like with the Romans. He is even opening up himself to them. See verse 10 and verse 13. He prays that the way would be open to go to them, and he wants them to know that he is sorry, that even though he plans to go many times, he hasn't done it yet. And so, like Paul, we shouldn't be afraid to open up. Think of how much God can be at work if everyone was more vulnerable, just a little more vulnerable to each other. Think of how much God's grace could be communicated through you. But if you keep your distance, if you are not open, you are robbing yourself of the opportunity for God to do His work. Think of it like this. If your school had a graduation show, uh, you will be expected to perform. Uh, you have been assigned some dancing or singing or some emceeing. And if you've joined the show, you can't just be sitting like the audience. You can't just be sitting in your seats, just be watching. You have to practice. You have to go to rehearsals. You have to perform on the night. And so in the same way at church, we can't be the audience. We can't be bystanders. We have to participate in the life of the church and we have to involve ourselves in the lives of others. Pastor Eugene's recent newsletter encouraged us to do the same, right? And he quoted a few Bible verses and I think they are so relevant. Galatians 6, 2 says this, Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Finally, Hebrews 10.24 Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. How can we carry each other's burdens if we don't even know what they are? How can we build them up if we don't approach them? How can we spur one another on if we don't meet together? 
Church, obedience to God's word requires you to look past your pride, to stop your comparisons, and to open up to your brothers and sisters. It's not just commands from the Bible, but it is what gives us the most joy. It, will, it is what will build up. It is what the most mutually encouraging thing to do. A church community that builds one another up. It's what will have your needs met and for you to also meet the other's needs. Everyone needs encouragement and everyone can give encouragements. Church, to close us off, let me ask us some questions <clears throat> to help us think through who we can encourage and also how we can encourage them. Firstly, ask yourself, what underlying fears do you have that keeps you from approaching a brother or sister or opening up to them? What underlying fears do you have that keep you from approaching a brother or sister? And this question hopes to get at your heart. Why is it that you withhold yourself from brothers and sisters? Is it a fear of being known? Could it be that you're afraid that if they knew you more, if they knew what kind of person you really are, that they won't accept you? Or could your heart be quietly saying to you, I don't need them, I can do this myself. Understanding why will help you see how unlivable that posture is. Self-pity will always keep you at a distance and you limit yourself from being truly known and truly loved. And you limit yourself from your brothers and sisters. You stop yourself from understanding that God's love means there is no one unworthy. A heart that is puffed up will always keep at a distance and you limit yourself from being seen as the sinner that you are. From the brothers and sisters demonstrating to you that they don't mind. They don't mind that you are a sinner. Because the truth is, they are just as sinful as you. And we are all sinners who have received God's grace. Let me encourage you to think about why you might keep yourself at a distance. Secondly, who is one person you want to open up to and encourage? Who is one person you want to open up to and encourage? I'm sure as you listen this morning, you can think of brothers and sisters who would benefit from chatting with you. Cultivating a habit of encouragement takes the first step. It takes starting a habit of sharing reflections, of reading the Bible together, of praying for each other, or even going to exercise together, having meals together, welcoming each other to your homes. All of, you, all of these needs you to take the first step. There are so many ways for us to encourage one another. Everyone can give encouragements. And let me finish by telling you a story. A story about a mutually encouraging friendship. Uh, Clement and I are really good friends. I was his best man at his wedding. And you might be wondering, how did our friendship start? How can two people who are so different cultivate mutual encouragement? Well, it first started when we were both at Burwood PM. Uh, at that time, we were also leading Extreme together. And a group of us was just having lunch one day and we realized 
We are hoping to read the Bible with someone, but we don't know who to do it with. Uh, and in God's providence, we started to read 1 Peter together. And our friendship grew over time. And one day, we had our uh, first date, so to speak, at uh, La Perouse. Uh, we went on a hike, uh, and we shared our life together. And again, in God's providence, we found out that we were in the same CG that year. And we, so we started meeting up more. Uh, we focused more on catching up and speaking into one another's lives. We have since spoken truth to one another, truths that we need to hear, not what we want to hear. We have since walked with one another in suffering. We have since grown together in our faith. And church, you see, if we didn't see the need to read the Bible together, if none of us made that first move, if God's providence didn't bring us together into the same CG that year, none of this would have happened. But it takes God wanting to draw us closer. It takes God who wants to build His church by forming encouraging relationships. But it also takes us taking the initiative. That's how encouragements happen. It is both God who builds His church and also God using us, using encouraging relationships through us using conversations between us, using fellowship times among us. That's how God will build His church. And for you to be in a mutually encouraging relationship, it doesn't just involve someone else coming up to you. It might involve you stepping out of your comfort zone. It might involve you taking the first step. If you want the church community to be mutually encouraging, if you want to be encouraged, if you want to be kept accountable, then the answer might be you. Church, let us consider how we can be used by God to build up His church. Let us consider how we can be built up by our brothers and sisters. Everyone can give encouragement. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for saving us. We thank you for saving us into a church community and we thank you that there are so many brothers and sisters, all of them who are like-minded, sharing in the same faith, sharing in the same love. We ask, Lord, that you continue to build us up as one church. Use us, Lord, as your instruments in this task. Use us to encourage each other. Use us to draw near to the brokenhearted and use us to rebuke the sinner. May we do this until the day the church is built up to maturity, unity, and Christ-likeness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.